This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Craftsbury Outdoor Center in Craftsbury, Vermont. With the vagaries of weather in the Northeast, big nor'easters or not, Craftsbury will have you covered this season with snow. But first, know before you go. If you're not staying at Craftsbury, you will need to make a day-use reservation to access the ski trails. Right now, the snow has flown and the coverage is good. You can ski through farms, fields, and forests on their 105 kilometers of meticulously groomed trails. Reservations are required for day use of the trail system, too. You can find up-to-date information on the Crassberry Center's ski scene at crassberry.com backslash winter ops. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. In this episode, we have Devin, and we also have an amazing special guest, his life partner, Kristen Stormer Stadra. She is a former Norwegian national team member. She's won medals at the world championship level as well as the Olympic level. We caught them this evening after the women's and men's gathlon at the World Championships in Oberstdorf, Germany had concluded, and their two kids were in bed. Okay, on with the ship. People are really excited, Kristen, that you're on, just to let you know. I mean, Devin's great, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. you, know, you know how it is. No, no, but Devin, Dev, definitely the talker in this house. So okay, so uh, yeah, actually, like, so let me ask a little bit about that. One personal question before we proceed: Is he is he really like? I I always think of like okay, the podcast is sort of a little outlet for him to talk quickly and in depth about skiing in English. But is this sort of the the heavy talker we get, or is this what he's like in the house usually? Well, it depends on uh, what time of day it is. Breakfast, he's quiet. And then it moves up, up, up. <laughs> By the evening, it's really chatterbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, so Devin and Kristen. So, you know, uh, let's kind of like do our usual thing. Run through results, bring, you know, any personal experience into this. Um, did you have a chance to like either look at Jesse's quotes or listen to Matt's interview yeah. at all? No, we did. We did. We did. Uh, Chris and I both, both uh, saw what Jesse was saying after the race. And that is just, Oh, that's just so heartbreaking when, when you feel that your equipment lets you down. And that, that's a little bit like what Lenny was saying the other day. I mean, like in skiing, you need the body, but you also need the equipment. It, it is a bit like F1 in that way. And, and when you feel as though you don't have, have the right skis under your feet for the conditions, um, man, oh man, it can be, it can be a real heartbreaker. And, and that Jesse felt that, uh, she didn't have the skis to compete today in a race that really suited her well. And of course that suits her well too. Uh, of course that's, that's super disappointing. And all the, all the U S women, I thought they hung tough for, for what they had, but I, I didn't notice that their skis were quite as bad on TV as, as in, uh, as in the sprint day, the sprint day was super noticeable. Like they were slow. But like we discussed is when you, when you start a championship with bad skis, like the classic sprint, and then on the first hill in this pursuit, maybe you're thinking it's like, Oh my God, not today too. Like your skis is not, so it gets mental too, um, that you don't believe in your skis. And then, then you 
<laughs> you almost lose a bit on that too. No, and that's especially the case in a, in the classic in a classic part of a pursuit when you have heavy hitters like Pereza drilling it. But you saw how good the Swedes were today too. Like they came out to play, they had good equipment, but they were really on point today. Serena too early in that race. Um, so what Kristen's saying, it is true. I mean, we've all been there. Everyone that's raced at a high level that's missed the skis in an important race. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot of pressure for those technicians. But as an athlete, it, yeah, I, I mean maybe you've been there too, but I know I have where, where you had like, you had, you had bad skis in a race at the championship. And then that next race, you, you're not, you're not ha- You don't have those low shoulders in that, that relaxed atmosphere. You're like, you're looking for like, did we blow it again? Kind of thing. Like Kristen was saying. So that and is a really you good have point. High shoulders and a bit bad, bad technique. And then, then the equipment doesn't work. Like, especially in classic and in a mass start like this. Let me ask you, you both, because, you know, I'm obviously covering, I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of covering the races, talking to the athletes, talking to the coach. Um, and I have a good enough, I feel like I have a good enough relationship, you know, with Matt to just kind of ask him straight up, you know, it looked like the skis were subpar, were they subpar? What, what was that like for, for you folks back, you know, respectively in Canada and in Norway when, you felt like the skis were subpar. Were did you feel okay talking to the media about that? I mean, how, what was the approach and and what was the norm? Well, we always agreed in within the team that it's okay to 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 tell the media if you like, because when it's obvious and everyone sees it, sees it on TV, it looks stupid when you come to the media and say like, no, no, my skis were great. Like it was, it wasn't that. So, but um, what it was and the details we always uh, took uh, with, with our texts uh, in, in the wax room. Devin, what was your scene? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in our, in our team, it was a little bit different. It was like, most of the time we tried to keep it internal. We really did, but, Len and I were laughing about that the other other day about like everything that could go wrong, went wrong in Sochi. And one of those things was we had heinous skis in most competitions and, and Alex had a lot of pressure on his shoulders and a lot of expectations. And he went out and he, I mean, he, he just like lit into our skis publicly in the media and the Quebec media and, and in Quebec skiing is just so popular and it created like a real shitstorm. <laughs> we had a couple technicians that w- were from Quebec and then they were getting bombarded with calls and emails from journalists and everything. And, and it just, it, it spiraled into like a, like a fairly difficult situation already in a team that was making so many mistakes. So I, the follow-up from that was for sure a bit like what Kristen was saying. Like if you have bad skis, um, before you start running your mouth too hard, make sure you get into the wax room or, or at least at the finish line. Like you have a good chat with your technicians or the technicians that are there a, a, instead of like blindsiding them in, in the media. With us, we, we always, in the women's Norwegian women's team, we talked a lot about that our texts would never go in the media and, and say like, Kristen was skiing really bad today. Like her technique wasn't good. Yeah. In the same way, like, because that's his job to, to, to prepare my skis. And sometimes you have a bad day and that's just how it is. And um, so if you turn it around and, and look at it from the tech side, I think it's pretty obvious that you, you talk with 
with your tech about it at least first. Yeah, and, and that is a great point, Kristen. Like that, that is the reality. Like, you know, <laughs> how many races? Like, look at my fist profile. Like, yeah, there's a decent amount of World Cup podiums and a lot of top tens, but there's some like 70th places in there too. And I mean, I'm sure I had great skis on those days, and I just didn't have the body. So it's a that's a great perspective, Kristen. Yeah, that is a good point. That's a great point. Um, Okay, before we get into kind of like the real details of the racing, just from like what I'm seeing, and in particular today, because it's the first championship distance race, um, in particular, the women's race, because it's shorter, um, it just seemed like the level of intensity and the speed was um, just kind of up a level. And is that just... Uh, is that something that's accurate or inaccurate? Um, and I know that uh, Keegan had mentioned when we were on the podcast with her that like it's a time of the year when you know that the four individuals who are chosen to represent the country, in, 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 I guess in Norway's case today in the men's field, they had five, and we'll get to that. But people just seem very primed for this. Uh, to you folks who have raced, obviously, you know, hundreds of World Cups, is that intensity noticeable? Oh yeah, for sure. It's um, it's the first distance race, like you said, and it's a it's a mass start as well, and it makes it all like intense. But I, like watching today, I felt like, especially the first lap was kind of like chill for the women. It, it usually it just blows up right away, and and today it was actually a big group. Uh, I think. Many were like both worried about the conditions, worried about the hard skate loop, um, maybe not sure about their their shape. So totally, it's like the first laps, like a lot of feelings. Um, that is the first race of the the championship for the distance uh, girls and boys. Yeah, and for sure, like I, just to build on that, like I mean, in the men's racing side of things, like like of course, like it, it's a different it's a different game, right? But I agree, like in the women's, uh, like I agree with what Kristen was saying. It, it, I was like, we commented on that watching. It's like, man, oh man, like they're skiing beautifully and they're making smart decisions, but it stayed together. It stayed together, and then and then once you started coming into the transition, the gaps still weren't that big, but then the skate course in Oberstdorf is a beast when they use that championship course. And, and Kristen can talk a little bit about that since she had so many great memories from that in 2005. So long ago, I don't remember. <laughs> We're too tired. <laughs> no, but, but what I found really interesting with this pursuit was that I, I think a lot was um, decided by the, like in the change in, between classic and skate. And maybe that was nurse too, because uh, Ebba Anderson, was really slow and let let Teresa go by four point something seconds and and that was goodbye to Teresa and, and at the same time um, Frida had a really good exchange and and caught up so so I think Allah was especially for Ebba was um, decided in the in the booth the changing skis and poles today yeah and I, I thought that was also like super interesting because you know, like Ebba was having a great race and she had a great race. You don't get a podium at the world championships if you don't have a great race, but much to what Kristen was saying, and we talked about that as well when we were watching is like, 
everybody that knows skiing saw what Teresa did today. Everyone saw how great a shape and how hungry Teresa was. Like this gold was going to happen for Teresa Yohug today. You saw that as soon as she clicked into her skate ski, she was on a mission. But I think Ebba Anderson was in good enough shape to, to hang with Teresa for the first lap of that skate. And if she did that, I think that's a silver medal in the in the uh, in her in her backpack instead of a bronze because there would have been quite the effort for Frida by herself to to catch up when you don't have that carrot in front of you. Like when she when Abba Anderson botched that ex, botched her exchange or her ski her ski change like she did I didn't botch it but she was slow. Yeah, she was just a little bit slow. Yeah, yeah but, but you could see Frida could see her the whole time. And just it's so motivating. Whereas like Teresa was gone. You know what I mean? So if Eva had that back, uh, it would have been it would have been really exciting. But it was a great, exciting race. I mean, Chris and I have talked about that a ton. But like, I just think the women's racing on the World Cup has been awesome this year. It's continued to be awesome. Today's race was super fun. You saw Serena. She looked pretty good in classic. Came a little undone in the skate. But um, yeah, but also still a little bit. Yeah. Paula was back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely more exciting than the men's race. <laughs> well, let's um, let's kind of back up a little bit to the beginning of the women's race in, in the uh, the classic portion. Um, well, I'm curious, like, what did you notice going on? Were you surprised that Yohog couldn't just like break away? And maybe comment on there was a, a snafu between Frida Carlson and Yohog where. Uh, they both, when you watched it in slow motion, they both took pretty heavy falls and Carlson snapped a pole. They righted themselves. and, and uh, But anyway, why don't you comment on that first portion of the of the race? Well, the, the fall between like Teresa and, and Frida, we were like pretty pissed at Frida <laughs> in this house uh, cheering for Teresa. But, and it looked like it was totally Frida's fault. But then... Watching it again and also hearing Teresa's comments on it, uh, she's she's like it was both fallen with like fault, and we we both wanted to to have that corner, and that's that's what happens in in mass starts sometimes. And of course, that's easy to say when you're one and two at the end, but um, but um, we also we were really impressed with Frida coming back because she looked so stressed after that fall and pissed and yelling at her text to get a new pole and like it's like she's she's done but uh, I was I was never worried that Teresa wasn't gonna come back uh, after that fall yeah I I agree like I I for sure was quoted saying like when that happened being like Frida like just freaking out like that I'm like well that's it like Frida's done. Like she's losing so much energy acting like this. Like she lost her head. Whereas like Teresa, such a cool customer, like got up, realized nothing was broken. Didn't change her technique that much. Still skiing beautifully, got back up to the leaders and then just got into a great rhythm. But Frida was on a great day and I thought it was so exciting for the whole Swedish team. I mean, I had a lot of question marks around Frida Carlson coming into this championship, to be honest. Um, she had, she's a huge talent, but she has so much pressure on her shoulders. You know, like she's a young superstar and what she did in Seyfeld was phenomenal skiing for a junior. Remember in Seyfeld, when she won all those individual medals, she was a junior and there's a lot of high hopes for Frida and everyone compares her to like, oh, you're the next Teresa Yohug. Oh, you're the next Teresa Yohug. But Teresa Yohug is the second best female skier that ever lived. 
uh, as of right now, or Elena Velbe also was an insane skier in her day, but, but I'm just saying like Therese is one of the best ever. And, and, um, so what, what Frida did today was really, really impressive. I thought, and, and to answer your question about the classic portion, I actually wasn't, well, we were a bit surprised at the first part that they didn't, that, 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 that it stayed together. But then, then we started talking about it and thinking about it. I mean, we both raced Oberstdorf so much and especially both Kristen and I were in Oberstdorf for 2005. I mean, Kristen was the one winning medals and I was the one getting the shit kicked out of me, but, but we were both there. And, um, and that championship course where they go up that giant climb on the skate side, and then you're kind of in this plateau or like in this field kind of thing at the top there, that hill is way bigger than what we race uh, the 15 years between the championships and the world cup. So I think there was a lot of respect for, for the skate side. And I also think that Teresa knew that it's not, it's not the classic part. It's the, uh, it's the skate um, 7.5. That's going to decide who, who wins this. And, and she also said that uh, in front of the race that um, uh, at least for the first lap, she wanted to, like stay in the group and not spend too much uh, energy. And um, I think, yeah, like Devin says about racing in Oberstorf, it's, it's the skate uh, part that, um, that is uh, like deciding this, uh, this race. It's so hard. Yeah. I'm curious. Can you like, just to give folks who maybe we know a lot about Devin, I think, I feel like listeners probably know a lot about Devin right now. Which is good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so, Christine, can you maybe just um, give us a little bit of context for your experience back in 2005, how old you were, and um, what went down for you at those championships? Well, I was, um, um, that was my second championship, like Valde Fiamme 2003 was my, my first, and I didn't, I was there to do the 30k and ended up doing the pursuit because um, Benthascari got sick. So I got like the call 45 minutes uh, before the start. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was that in 2003, but 2005, I, um, I went to Oberstdorf uh, with no expectations and no podiums. Uh, so, so um, it was that pursuit. Uh, when I ended up with the bronze medal was uh, a big surprise <laughs> for me at least and and um, for yeah for many I think I was um, 24 or 20, 23 turning 24 that year but um, 23 at the um, at the championship and um, it was just such a great experience with the Norwegian team doing so well and my parents were there loving it so it was the first time they went to a championship and um, uh, yeah I uh, I really look back to that like that was yeah one of my biggest moments for sure winning the first first medal yeah I'm curious like being 23 in a country like Norway where it's like the you know, it, this is like the NBA, you know, here in the States or the NFL kind of thing. It's, it's, you're a star. Is it like all of a sudden you're a media star and there's a ton of attention uh, put upon you or what was that like for you? Well, uh, with uh, Marit Bjergen doing, <laughs> doing so 
oh well in that championship she she took most of the of that but of course it's uh, it changed your your world completely like i i hadn't been on the on the national team for that long and and um uh at the same time i i still just felt like that girl from way up north uh, uh, loving ski racing but also having a perspective by being a student and uh, and uh, hadn't been on the national team for more than than a year so or after 2003 so it was my second year in the on the national team so I, I really did not feel like uh, a big star. I I remember going back from Oberstdorf and straight to this um, kids race in Holmenkollen where my youngest sister was doing like Hubertland. And that's the it's like a huge race <laughs> for 15, 16 year olds. It's like the 15, 16 year old Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> or at least for Nordic na- national championship. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and like cheering her on and yeah, it's uh, just skiing is just has always been a passion of my mind and I, I never felt like a, a star. <laughs> yeah, I was just kind of curious because I know it can, it, for someone or for people who are from smaller communities, being thrown into a whirlwind, like, you know, a, a ton of media attention can kind of be a, a little bit of a shock. I think it is really interesting. And of course, like I'm super biased, so no listener is ever going to take what I have to say. But like Kristen is like, the most authentic and down-to-earth person I've ever met, especially when it comes to, like, top sport. And I think she gets that a lot from, I think, like, especially her mom. Like, her mom is a real mountain girl, man, like, for real. And um, I, I think that that love of skiing is just something that you have, of course, Kristen, but, like, it's, like, a really deep-rooted thing in your family. And what I never got to meet your grandparents uh, in Solvare there, but, like, it, it just seems like, being out in the mountains on snow was just that's just something that you guys did but it wasn't just something you guys did as a family it was like like when when the joke is like oh Norwegians are born with skis on their feet like I really feel like that's kind of like what you guys were brought into so the the racing part of it is just uh yeah for you is it was never about that or it never seemed like it was about that so thinking you know, sort of the the opposite of having fun like the pressure cooker of you know, Norwegian skiing and world championships. And I was thinking about this today when, you know, just watching the race and obviously Johog is all, is charging off the front in the skate portion. And it's just, you know, she's on a completely different level, it seems like. Um, but then there was a lot of Sweden, right? We had Carlson, we had Anderson, um, Stadlober from Austria was thrown in there for, which, which was great to see. And then Charlotte Kala, who came in fifth, um, who's recovered from COVID, COVID evidently. All four of Norway's skiers, it appears, and you know, here I am, are in the top ten. No, One, no, two, no. And is that right? Or did 12. I miss that? Yeah, and she was twelve. Yeah, top twelve. Okay, so top twelve. They're all in in the top twelve. Four skiers, um, and they take the win. Is that like how is that? What's the spin on that in in Norwegian media? In Norwegian media, I think that they're really happy with the with the team effort. But I also think like we're so spoiled in having medals at the championships. 
So, uh, um, and I know for sure Heidi Wang uh, was disappointed uh, after her race. And I think they were hoping for two medals um, in this. But at the same time, the Swedes has been strong. And and I must say, like, my, my biggest, um, what do you say, like... Um, like Charlotte Kala being back on uh, at fifth was like really, really, really fun to see. Yeah, I, I agree with what Kristen was saying. Like I, I Charlotte has struggled so much this year. She was good in that pursuit in Lottie, which was great. But like you said, there's so many question marks with uh, with COVID, and then there was some there was some noise too in in Sweden where you had um, a sprinter and a Divic that was saying like, I've been better than Charlotte Kala this year. Why are we bringing Kala to the world championships just because she's won all this stuff. But she showed today that in her first chance um, in the pursuit is a great start to a championship. And now you have to look at the 10 K skate and be like, you know what, that's Charlotte Kala's best race. And I had kind of written her off for the season, not written her off like top 10 for sure. But but now fifth with a race like that, like she, she can, she can be there to play. And, and she's just been such a big champion for Sweden forever. I, I'm with Kristen. I, I love cheering on uh, Charlotte Kala and it's so fun to watch her. And, and the reality is like Kristen's saying too, the fact of the matter is Ebba Anderson, Frida Carlson and Charlotte Kala are better than the entire rest of the Norwegian team that's on that start list, except for Heidi Wang. And, and like Kristen said, of course, Heidi was really disappointed with, with her day today. Yeah, what do you think was going on? I mean, yeah, I mean, she was a minute 25 back off of Yohog is, you know, I, I, I would be like 60 minutes back. So it's nothing to shirk at, right? <laughs> but but that's a gap, you know, looking at a 15K uh, race, you know, what, what do you think is going on there? A fitness thing or just um, redlining it too much at a certain portion of the race? Well, it seemed, it seemed like she was really stressed in the exchange between classic and skate because she was with Fossilsom uh, into the exchange. And then uh, first she put her clister into the mat and, and stumbled and fell. And then she couldn't get her skate ski on. And she's like, and, and for us to know, Heidi Wang, she can be get a bit stressed um, in that situation. So, and it seemed like she's like really stressed out and it's like, oh no, 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 someone else to help me, help me put my ski back <laughs> on. And, and um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at the same time, not having her best day, I think, because she has been, she has been skiing really well this year and this, this wasn't uh, her best day. So, but I think we will see Heidi stronger later in the, the championship for sure. Yeah. And I think she looked really good in classic actually. Like yeah, I thought yeah. she was skiing well in classic and everything. So I agree with what Kristen was saying. I mean, Heidi, Heidi has shown good form this year and I mean, this'll, this'll be motivating for moving forward. And I also think she's a skier that sees that it's not going to be a medal. So maybe I'll just, save a bit of energy for for the next he here's kind of a, a maybe just like a basic question off the top of my head i think there's been one skiathlon this year so far in lati is that right yeah, that's right um how often did you got you know when when you know you know ski, skiathlons are on this calendar certainly they're at the championship level olympics and world champs 
Um, how often do you, did you guys or should people maybe practice those transitions and how tricky are they? Well, we, we do not practice it uh, a lot. Uh, we usually had one or two races in the World Cup and then at Nationals and then the Championship. So maybe three before. Uh, but what we did do some training in both summer and winter was was to uh, be able to ski like classic and then go over to skating. Uh, and a lot of people struggle with that, especially if it, if the course starts with um, an uphill or gradual uphill, which a, lo a lot of courses now seems to do. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a hard transition for the muscles. <laughs> oh, it's super hard. Like your legs turn to like concrete. And even in the summer when you're training those, those workouts and stuff, I mean, it's so tough. I mean, God, that's a horrible feeling when your legs just feel like they lock up and you have to, if you've practiced that and you've done those intervals, you know that they should, if you're on a good day, they'll loosen up a bit and you'll, you'll start to have a better feeling as you get a couple days into your legs. But I mean, I was lucky on my side of things with the actual transitioning of the skis. I mean, like Ivan Babakov was lightning fast in the transition all the time. Like if you go back through the history and you start pulling Dorkin out and pulling up his pit stop times, like he's always top five. And Alex learned a lot from that. And so did I, I mean, I learned a ton from Ivan's uh, transition speed and his efficiency. So it was something that we practiced, but like Kristen saying, uh, we practice more like the physiological, the training to get that feeling into the legs and maybe a little less on like, just like switching skis back and forth. But I do remember picking up pointers from both Alex, but mostly Ivan, who was just so good at it. Okay. I have two more things about the women's race. And, and one is going back to the transition. I thought for sure, you know, obviously, you know, Anderson lost what looked to be like four or seven seconds on that transition. Um, nothing egregious, but she stumbled a little, you know, just like fumbled, I guess a little bit, but I thought for sure, I was like, she is going to have an adrenaline jolt and catch right back up or at least get within a couple meters. Um, but it was over. I mean, it was very clear right away. It was like, no, she's gone. She's not going to get caught. I was a little bit surprised by that. Well, I wasn't because Teresa saw that and, and she knows that five seconds or 20 meters or whatever it is. And, and she knows that her like transition between classic and skate, she can just hammer out. She, she won't get stiff or, uh, so I think she saw that and just like, okay, um, this is my, I'm just going to go. Um, okay. So let's just kind of scroll down a little bit. Are you guys doing okay? Kids aren't screaming. Okay. Oh yeah. Not Are yet. They like, but we have the baby call here. If you lose, if you lose Kristen's voice for a bit, you'll know what happened. Do you have like a little monitor? How does it work in Norway? What do you got? What's the norm? Oh yeah. We got like a sound, like just yeah. the sound. Yeah. Okay. We just have like a, a like a baby caller, but like no, not like all high tech with like the video and. Netflix. Oh yeah, just, yeah. Just, we uh, never did the video either, but like, and the older one, solid sleeper. Yeah. Oh, Ast Isabel can sleep through everything. Okay, so just going through the results. Okay, so like Jesse Diggins, uh, you know, she's going to take the overall World Cup. She's at fifteenth, nearly two minutes down at one fifty nine off the pace. You know, Neprieva from Russia. 204 and 16th. She's recovering, I think, from a broken wrist. And then Sandrine Brown, 
from Canada, I think from Quebec. She's 23rd. Sophia Lockley, 25th, an American. And Catherine Stewart Jones in the points again, or in you know, the top 30 at 28th. Yeah, I'm kind of curious just from a North American perspective, what do you think you're seeing out there? We we've noted or talked a little bit about you know, comments on subpar skis. Well, it's uh, Jesse is, of course, really disappointed, uh, as she should be. Like she's been, she's been dominating this season and coming into championship, and and it's not working. So, of course, she's she's not uh, she's not happy with this. But I think um, moving forward, she. Like she can now put the classic, uh, classic skis away for a bit, and and she knows that the 10k skate is uh, is her um, is her distance to to medal if uh, if she has a good day. And um, I I really really hope like I always cheer for like people that deserve to to win medals. She's been the best skier this season and i really hope she can medal on the on the 10 10k yeah and then and then the other women you mentioned i i think like lockley had a uh, had a great day and like sundrine has really lifted her game this year i think it's just been so awesome to see sundrine ski so well and she's so consistent and her best race is also the 10k skate so i think it's a you know if, if things go well i mean this is a great chance for somebody in to keep to get another personal best performance and she's had a lot of personal best performances this year already she's young she's not she's not i mean she's not foster's home young but she is by no means in the twilight of her career she's got many years left and it's just been so fun to see her consistent like this and Catherine stewart jones i mean while I heard she was a little disappointed after today's race, she shouldn't be too much as well. She's also been very consistent and her best race uh, is, is in the 30 K classic, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like her technique, like we've talked about ad nauseum on this and you wrote a great piece about it. Uh, her classic technique has really changed a lot. And I think the course suits her strengths really well. Um, so, so her best race is, is, is to come. So I think that's, that's exciting. But of course I, I, I echo what, what uh, Kristen said about Jesse. I mean, of course, she's super disappointed. You're, you're, you're the overall World Cup winner. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much done. That's for sure done. There's only a couple World Cups left. She's won the overall World Cup. And, and of course, you have the Tour de Ski under your belt. You had great races in Falun where you beat Therese Johag, which is in an individual start, which is something barely anyone has done. Um, so, but, but this is, of course, this is worrying. But like Kristen said, um, Jesse, although her classic skiing has come a long, long way and she has skied so well in classic this year, like I can think of a number of races where I was like, wow, Jesse, I've never seen her classic this well before. The reality of it is it just hasn't been working here um, for the first two races. And now she gets to focus on her bread and butter, which is the skate. Yeah, but she, Jesse reminds me of myself a bit with, with classic because I was also like, I needed to have like perfect skis to ski well. And I think Jessie is a, a bit the same with the, with classic because she's not, maybe not as confident as the skating. And uh, with the, um, this course ending like it is, like with the downhills and she's such a good uh, descender. She's like, so yeah, I, I, I really think that she can do something in the in the skate race, um, uh, and I hope they they have skis that works because it sucks when when that's the 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 thing that 
that ruined it ruins it well I, i'm kind of curious and, and maybe um well both of you just maybe a quick answer on this you, you, kristen you mentioned that you had to have perfect skis and classic to ski well i mean are you talking about I'm imagining, I mean, gosh, you're like a, a medalist at, you know, the championship world champs at the Olympics. You've got to be a stellar classic skier in some capacity. Or even when you're just out for a stroll up in, you know, the local trails, do you still feel like, oh yeah, classic's not my thing. I'm a skater. Uh, well, I am a skater, <laughs> I love, but I, I love skating. Now I'm mostly classicking when I have the pork uh, behind me but um, that actually changed I would I used to be a, a better classic skier when I was really young or until I was a junior uh, but then it just changed and um, I guess skating was where I had my best results and uh, and what I liked uh, best uh, yeah. yeah but I with the with the perfect ski, like I, for me, it was a lot about like kick. Like I had to have good kick to feel, to feel good. And that probably ruined a, a lot of my races because uh, my, my glide was uh, not good enough because I was always like, I, I need perfect grip. If not, I'm not in it for, for a race. Is that, is that something, I mean, what did you observe? I'm just curious, you know, Devin, when you were, watching Kristen on the world cup or just like yeah, cruising I mean, around. Yeah. No, no. I mean, Chris, but Kristen has beautiful technique in both classic and skate. She always, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, there's no question. I mean, Kristen's got legs for days. So, so the, uh, the in classic diagonal stride is definitely where she made, made up a lot, made her moves in classic and, and yeah, you can't do that if you don't have good kick. So, um, and, and then, you know, she's, she's not the, uh, She's not Arnold Schwarzenegger out there with the double polling and stuff. So um, if you have skis that have a little too much kick, then I could see how they they could slow it down. But I mean, Kristen has she's she's selling herself short. She's got so many podiums in classic races on the World Cup as well. But for sure, like like the 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 banner moments like that Oberstdorf pursuit or or the. 30k in, in Sochi that was a skate race and the pre-olympics in, in Sochi also and you know some of the races La Clusa when she won it was skating it is skating that she's won in but she's by no means a bad classic skier and for me on the other side of the coin like I love classic I always love classic the best it's by far my favorite technique but um I didn't need great skis to do well in a skate race but I definitely needed like a great body and I mean I have never won a world cup in 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 classic which is pretty funny uh, I have three wins and they're all in skate, but so I could do really well in skating when, <clears throat> when things were clicking and, and I had, I had the right body, but I just never had the confidence in my, in my skate technique and, and Kristen's the best in offset or like that climbing technique. No question. One skate to actually your beautiful one skater when, when you were active and like, and for me, like offset was just like the, the devil from, I sucked and I still suck at offset. So, so <laughs> I needed a really good body. I needed a really good body just to be able to hop skate the climbs. And, and I've had that a few times in my, or not, not just a few times, but I've had that sometimes in my career, but I was really, uh, I needed that to, to succeed in, in my weaker technique. Okay. So, um, uh, let's uh speaking of technique and really just amazing technique on display because it was there was a lot of there were you know five six eight folks clustered together in the men's race for much of it um norway packs all of their skiers into the top six bullshit off 
takes the t- you know takes the win for his first championship uh, individual win. We have Scott Patterson in 14th, and I bypassed a lot of folks. We have an adopted Norwegian, Andrew Musgrave, in seventh. Impressive. Paroma, the U23, ninth. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of that, dude. Um, Patterson in 14th in a photo finish with Evo. And David Norris, arguably maybe the race of the day for North America because he's recovered from COVID in 17th. Talk, talk the men's race because, you know, I thought it was good drama, actually, for 30K. Oh, it really was. But before we do that, because yeah. it's illegal to play the Russian national anthem, we're oh, just yeah, going to they play. We're just, no, it's illegal. We can't we can't uh, we can't play it. So um, but uh, we, we can play. Uh, we're going to play. Just just bear with me. That's all we're going to get into this, but I love it, dude. It's only, it's noon here. I feel like I need a vodka shot. Oh yeah, for sure. We definitely should be drinking Like the Russian fans, you know, they're, they're opening the good stuff tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no question. What a beautiful, absolutely beautiful race by Bolshinov. Have you ever witnessed a race where someone deserved it more? I mean, he's been the best skier in the world the last two years and how he skied today. I mean, Kristen, like, yeah, I was probably cheering more for him than, than you. And I hope there's not a lot of Norwegian listeners, <laughs> but uh, like Devin said, it's so deser- deserved. And he, like, he worked so hard for this today, like this race. So I was, um, I was really glad that he, he had the gold. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he, you mentioned technique, his technique in classic and in skate today was absolutely flawless. And he worked for that goal, dude. He was shattered by the top of that course. All those three guys were at the end of that race. Like you had, you had Kruger, you had Holland, like they were shattered and, and Bolshinov and Bolshinov willed that win. He did. And the guy <laughs> led for, I would say what, like 28 of the 30K? Yeah. And, and just not expecting help, you know, like Bolshinov sometimes can look behind and get a little frustrated, lose his head a little bit. We've seen that earlier, earlier this year, of course, but, but, but regardless today, the guy was on a mission and he did not ask for help. And dude, it was five against one for that last lap. You had five Norwegians against one Bolshinov and who comes out on top Bolshinov and the way he did it. There was a lot of emotion at the finish line. I can understand that. He's got seven silver medals and a bronze at the championships already. He's only 24 years old. And what can you say? I mean, it's a deserved win. He is the best skier in the world the last two years. You can say what you want, but uh, the proof's in the pudding. He trains his ass off. He has beautiful technique. And today, no one was going to deny him his first championship gold. I think also, like, he raced smart because he he knew that – by doing what he did, he would have company maybe from some Norwegian, but not the best sprinters. And I, I just feel like over and over and over, especially with Petter, it's, it's been like, ah, oh, why, why doesn't anyone just go hard for like 
a long time and then he, then he's gone and it's kind of the same with uh, Johannes Clavo it's, you know if he, he if he's there he's gonna win so I think he skied smart and uh, he suffered and he really really deserved that gold and yeah and to, to Kristen's point there I mean like in that group you just mentioned Jason from second to sixth I mean you didn't just have you didn't just have Johannes there. You had Emma Leverson as well, who has a lethal kick. And if Bolshinov, Bolshinov quickly doesn't just win, lose a gold. He, he could be down in third or fourth if you if you tow Emma Leverson and Claybo to the finish line. And so if you want to take that out and take them out of the race, bringing a guy like Kruger and Hole into the line is, is a match made in heaven for, for Bolshinov because he will undress those guys every time if he comes to the line with them. I were you surprised that Bolshinov didn't fade just a little bit in the end? I thought I think it was Holland who made the move. Was that right? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was Holland. Holland and let's tip our hats to Holland. Yeah. Like, Holland has like just for the people that maybe don't follow it so closely. Like Holland is like a blue collar crusher for Norway. The guy has now individual medals in the last three championships in a row. He won the world championship in Seefeld for the fifty k by just willing that to happen, dropping the hammer, dropping the field and winning alone. And he had a beautiful race animating the race in the skiathlon in Pyeongchang in, in 2018, the Olympics where he secured a bronze medal. And today he knew too, he sees around and he wants some hardware too. And he looks around and sees an, an Emil Leverson and Johannes Klebo and he knows and, and, and Kruger and Bolshinov. And, uh, and that's, and that's that. So, so I thought it was, uh, it was a stunning, stunning race by, by, uh, Holland and, uh, well-deserved and for sure he, he made that, that last move, but you saw how shattered everybody was, man. The last two K, like everybody's legs were just wrecked. And that's why I think like what Kristen was talking about, Kristen had to run upstairs just now by our, our 13 month old is, uh, um, so she'll be back, but if she's not back, it was awesome to have her <laughs> and it's awesome that she's willing to, to take this uh, shift right here. But, but, um, but the fact of the matter is that, that, you know, Holland is also not scared. He's never scared and he can drill it. He's got a VO two max that is outstanding. He is, um, he's an amazing capacity skier. And uh, when I say capacity, I just mean like he, he has a high, high VO2 max and a really tough head and he willed that medal to happen because yeah, you bring those guys, even Schuert fell apart in the last lap for sure. He, he just kind of hit the wall a bit, but I mean, if Holland brings any of those guys to the line, he's going to get out sprinted. So I, I was uh, wildly impressed by Holland today. Yeah. I love racing like that. I love when there's, you know, there's stuff on the line, right? They all, I'm sure, you know, it, it, in a place like Norway, it comes down to medals and he played his hand. I thought that was, you know, third is amazing. Uh, but, oh, yeah. he went, but he went for the win. I felt like totally. he was going for the win. Oh yeah. He was a hundred percent going for the win, man. No question. And what I think is so fun about a guy like Holland is like, thank God we have a whole and Kruger in these mass start races to work. Because really, if you look back in the last couple of years, like who is it that is doing any work in the mass start races since Sunby has fallen off his form of, of old, you know, because Sunby used to be the one that just drove the bus, you know what I mean? But but now, but now in the mass starts, like it is Hans Christian Holland, Bolshinov, and Kruger once in a while. And that's it. 
they're the only ones that drill it. So Holland is a tough bastard mentally, and it's it's so easy to cheer for him. Uh, he's got a great story too. I mean, like he was a world junior champion and then just fell apart completely in young years as senior. He was racing in like the seventies and eighties in Norwegian cups, man. Like he, he really like, he was a, a child star and really had to work his way back. And, and what a comeback it's like been an overtraining thing or what was going yeah, on? He just, he, yeah. He had some struggled with illness. He wasn't quite sure what it was. It was overtraining, that sort of thing. There's no question. He's trained at an insanely high level from, from a very young age. My brother-in-law actually is um, from the same town as, as, uh, as Holland. And, uh, he has just so many great stories. Cause he's, he's a, he's a year younger than me, but Holland's way younger than us. And he has so many great stories of like their club practices where like Holland would be out with, with his age group, like just killing himself to stay with him and stuff. And, and, uh, Apla, that's uh, my brother-in-law's name. He's just like, this kid's going to be a, this kid's going to be a beast. Like he's just the toughest kid I've ever met. And then the proof, yeah, you see it, you see it in all these mass starts. He, he knows what his strengths are and he plays to his strengths. But as we're singing the praises to Holland, cause he made that last dramatic move from the bottom of the Valley up that giant hill that Kristen's talked about so much. 28 kilometers of this race was Bolshinov in front, not looking behind him, just skiing his race, shattering the legs of the entire field, except for the entire Norwegian team. And that's the one thing, like, while I do agree with you, it was an exciting race today, uh, really exciting, but it's a championship. So you can feel that excitement, uh, of course. But, you know, when Norway goes two, three, four, five, six, that's the reason why I was kind of poo-pooing some men's racing earlier in the year when, when the Norwegians weren't showing up because like, you know what I mean? They are the, they are so far and away the best men's team on the distance side of things in the world cup as a team. Of course, Bolshinov is the best distance skier in the world, but as a team, Norway is just so far and away and going throughout the history, we can go back like Abba Bro, you can go like Bjorn Dolly, Vegard Alving, like these guys, like Erling Yevna, Allsgard, like the, the, the greats, my, like my heroes when I was growing up as a young skier in Canada that like, you know, I only get to watch skiing on the Olympics. And those are the guys that were winning as good as those teams were in the nineties and, and in the eighties, dude, the team that's that Norway fields now, this is the best Norwegian men's team ever. And, and they continue to, to crush. Like we saw how good they were in Seyfeld and we see how good they are now. It's, it's, it's phenomenal to see. But I also, I have to say like um, this, this uh, writer from Duluth, Pasha Khan, who wrote like a three-part series that we just published all at once. I was like, let's get this out there on Bolshinov. Um, people should go read it if they want to learn about Bolshinov. Um, and so one of the, I think it's, I don't know, it's three parts. Maybe the second part talks about sort of the rivalry between Klebo and Bolshinov. And maybe the third part flushes out a little bit of the tension between the Norwegians and, and Bolshinov. And so for me, having just read that or edited that, I was kind of intrigued into thinking about, um, yeah, what was going on and how it was going to play out. And so much pride, obviously, on the Russian side. Um and yeah, just what the dynamics were going to be. And yeah, so so that was sort of the backdrop for me as I was thinking about how things were transpiring. But he, here's an unrelated question. Klebo, okay, he comes in fourth. It's a championships. And I, you know, I'm thinking back, I maybe like two or three years ago when he just clobbered folks in, in the Lillehammer skiathlon. Do you remember that when Sumbi maybe came in second? Yeah, oh yeah. 
Dude, oh man, no, he won. He won. Clego won that back on Sunby so hard. Yeah, yeah, and closing closing in on Sunby like with this wicked, wicked last right. 2K. Oh yeah, so great that that that's a memorable race from like observing that. But you know, I am curious, like, what's the calculus with starting a Clebo here? Is it a tactical piece to have him as part of the team and beating Bolshin off? Is it, hey, he's one of our top skiers. We want to give him medal opportunities. Um, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. There's the team sprint that I'm assuming he'll be a part of. No, he's, he's in it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. He skips the, the 15K. It's my guess. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he's skipping the 15K. Okay. Um, then there's the mass start and the relay, unless I'm missing something. So is that yeah, the no, reason you start yeah, running no, out of starts for him? <laughs> in one way yeah but let like the reality is like claybo really really sees himself i mean he's not really sees himself he's won the tourist ski he's won the overall world cup he wants to contend he's an all-around skier and and he's been getting a little bit of not criticism because you can't criticize claybo he, he's a legend already and he's also 24 so but the, but the fact of the matter is that when you're johannes claybo you'll always be compared to Petter nortug right always because he was the last great, you know what I mean? Connor McDavid right now in the NHL is compared to Crosby. Crosby's compared to Wayne Gretzky. That's just how it is. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> throw Gordy Howe in there. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Well, yeah, then you got to go one step back. Exactly. Wayne okay. Gretzky's compared to Gordy Howe. But but the but the reality is, the reality of it is 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 Claybo. This was a great race for Claybo. It's his best ever championship pursuit he's ever done. He was fourth. He almost had enough. He almost had enough. He just ran out of steam in the last two and a half, 2.75 K. And that was the difference maker. But the guy is really young. He's shown that he can do it on tough courses. Little Hummer is a tough course uh, as well. So he really, really wants it. And I, I think, I, I think it's kind of unfair when some people say, like, oh, you know, Claybo's just a sprinter or like, oh, you know, like he's not one of the, like he, he, everyone, no one ever says he's not one of the greats, but uh, no, he's not Petter, but no, he's, he's not Petter yet because like Petter has won the individual start at, at a world championship, you know, in skating. Um, and, and, and he's won the 50 K and he's won sprints. He's won everything. Uh, so Claybo hasn't done that, but, but I thought Claybo had a, had a solid race today and, and, the fact of the matter is Bolshinov is just a cut above when it comes to these distance races. And when Bolshinov's in good enough shape that he can drill it, uh, Claybo right now just isn't, isn't as good. And, and that's just how it is. I think we're, uh, yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, Americans. I feel like, you know, Scott Patterson, photo finish in 14th, pretty stellar. Um, David Norris, 17th. Any comments on North Americans? Um, yeah, dude, awesome racing by Scott Patterson. I call them like, like I said that in a text to you, but like there is no like bigger blue collar boys in American skiing than, than Scott Patterson and David Norris. I mean, they're unsung grinders, dude, of the distance realm. And if you go back, like speaking of like the Bend Olympics or, <laughs> or the, the whole Montana that Kristen was talking about for 15, 16 year olds, like Mount Marathon is like the Alaska Olympics. And I mean, these guys are just crushers in the mountains and, and trail running and they just can really suffer. And Scott's really struggled. Like he's really, really struggled after his breakthrough performances in Pyeongchang, but he's a really shy, really nice, really good guy. Doesn't say much and just lets his, um, 
yeah, just, just, just lets his skiing do the talking. And I thought today he skied great. I mean, he skied really great. And, and, and Norris, same thing. He, he was the best U S distance skier last year. Um, didn't get put on the national team and then comes down with COVID-19 misses all his prep and then comes into the race like this at world championships and throws down just a beautiful race. Both those guys are, are, should be really proud of their performances. And then like, I want to say like Antoine Siet, Tony, uh, he was 27th for Canada and, and that, that's a, that's a really great step in the right direction. And what I always like to say for young skiers is like, if you can have your season's best race at the championship, like that, you got to take that as a positive. And so far that, that is Tony's best race of the season and his best race is yet to come. That's the, that's the 50 K the last race. And then Remy Drolin, who is uh, a first year senior. Um, he has really, really struggled this season and he has just not been able to race anywhere close to his potential. And I know how hard that's been on him. And he was just at under 23s where he also did not perform and was skiing well, well below his potential. And today he was 39th, which he will be disappointed with. Of course, he was over five minutes back. But the fact of the matter is, again, with the metric I just talked about, his best race of the season so far has been at the championship, no matter what happens for the rest of these races at the world championships. But so I think that is, that is a positive sign. So um, from the North American side of things, it's uh, it was a, it was a solid day and, and it, we're looking forward to tomorrow. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the American strategy sitting Gus Schumacher and then uh, Simi Hamilton has had a very difficult season and we'll see if he's got the legs to, to last six rounds in the, in the team sprint. Yeah. And on the women's side for the Americans, it's, it's rosy and um, oh my gosh, Sadie, I know I'm, I'm tired. I, I, yeah, my brain's starting to misfire. We get up at like two in the morning. It's um, yeah, it was a hard when my alarm went off. I was like, usually I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I was like, holy crap, I'm not stoked <laughs> to get up right now. So, but I'm you know curious, like Rosie and um and Sadie are are the team sprint, and you know the note is I think. Um, that you know they're going to save Jesse for the 10K, which could be her marquee event here for you know an individual result, and the relay, uh, the team you know the four by five relay, which you know the U.S. has been knocked on the door before. There's been a lot of hype about it. This might be the year for a lot of sort of extenuating circumstances that we can get into later as that approaches. But um, you know, Rosie, gosh. You know, she she won a sprint or at least one sprint. She won Davos, right? Yeah, yeah. So she she can sprint. Any thoughts on that? Well, Ro- Rosie has. The- oh, hey, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> has the ability to sprint, but she also has the endurance. So uh, for sure, I I myself was a bit surprised uh, about the the team starting tomorrow, but. Uh, on a on a good day, I think they can be in it for for a medal. Um, and um, sitting Jesse is probably her own choice, <laughs> I, I would think. And uh, and for her, like she she's probably a bit tired after these two first races, uh, disappointed and uh, and wants to do well in her best chance uh, of the the championship especially when when the other girls hasn't been in their best uh, shape so uh and um 
I know with me and a lot of uh, Norwegians um, really cheer for the American girls in the relay. So, so I hope they can um, uh, come back for, for a medal. And uh, I, I also think uh, the, the men's race today showed that uh, they were able to get their equipment back um, in, in those couple of hours that they had between the, the women's and the men's race. So I hope that brings a bit of confidence to the team too, to see that, okay, the, the guys had really good skis and, and from now on we're going to have good skis too. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a super good point Kristen made. Like that's a super, super good point from a confidence perspective because yeah, I mean, the poor American staff, uh, like, and when Jesse's in the media saying that herself, of course, they don't feel good back there. They're busting their ass and they want, they want their athletes to have the best they can. Um, but that, that, you know, let, let's, let's give them props where it's deserved. Like Scott Patterson had phenomenal skis today. David Norris had phenomenal skis. You could see that when they panned to them in, in the groups they were skiing in. And if you're racing into the top 20, uh, for both those guys, top 15 for Scott, you, you can't do that with, with okay skis or subpar skis. And, and, and they both, I mean, I read some quotes saying that, that Scott was really satisfied with the ski. So, so I hope the U S scheme team, not just the athletes, but also also those guys that are just working like those 14, 16 hour days to make it happen. Um, take confidence in that they, they deserve it. Can you, I, I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about, and, and this is just an open question to both of you. Cause that was one of, you know, I, I, put out to our staff, I was like, hey, the boss of the household in Lillehammer is coming on. What questions do people have? So um, one of the questions that came up, you know, like how does a WAC staff sort of modify within a couple of hours, right? They've, the women's skiathlon goes off. You have maybe an hour, hour and a half between the races and then the men the men go. I mean, they're not really starting from scratch is my presumption. And I'm, I'm sort of like, that's a loaded question, but what is that process for them, you know, hypothetically, because you're not in that wax bus, for them to kind of right the ship, so to speak? No, but I think already when when the girls go out and, and start the race, they're the, te the techs are out there testing and and also after the race like retesting and see like what can we do better and and also with the feedback from the girls probably they were able to do those changes um, uh, and try new stuff and uh, and obviously that worked today so I think like uh, well as an athlete I appreciate it the work the text did so much so uh to see them come back from from um not bombing but but having not the best skis at the at the women's race and and coming back and having awesome skis for the men's shows that um they know what they're doing yeah, exactly. And, and that, and that, that is the thing. I think no matter what, like for people that don't understand like top level skiing intimately, the vast majority, and, and if not all athletes have so much respect and love for the technicians that make this happen because it is by a lot of measures, a thankless job. Like, yeah. like they're getting up at five in the morning. They're not getting paid all that much money and they're putting their bodies at risk they're putting their life on for this 
and they just want to see you succeed. I mean, like Kristen, I mean, I started crying in Sochi. Well, I mean, of course, um, with Kristen when she won her bronze medal in the 30K, but her, t- her longtime technician is a, not a neighbor neighbor, but he lives close to us and we love him. Stian, who's actually, Stian Gronos, who's actually worked in the U.S. So if there's like U.S. listeners of the Pete Vordenberg uh, vintage, they'll, they'll remember him. He was actually one of the first, maybe like the first hire technician for the Subaru factory team back in the day. But, but Stian has worked with Kristen for so much of her career. And Kristen comes in third. Kristen's bawling. Stian is like giving her the biggest bear hug, bawling his eyes out. It meant so much to him. And like Kristen could talk about that a bit. Like that was just like, that's the relationship. It means so much. Yeah. It, it, it's like with all the texts, like you get really close. But, but what I would want to say is it's like, they work so hard and and they when the skis are not the best they get so much critic in the in the media and and then when the skis are great they hear barely anything then it's <laughs> only the skier that did a good job so so it it really is not fair <laughs> yeah right. Right. Okay. One last question. I'm just curious about this is, you know, team selection in terms of the, the chess pieces, who's going to race what, um, you know, from your experience in Canada and Norway, uh, how much did you know beforehand coming into a world champs or an Olympics about like, okay, you know, this is what you're racing. I mean, like, for example, Devin, you, you could race sprints and, and distance races, right? So how much of it was up in the air? And Kristen, you know, in your case, you know, you overlapped with some, you know, Bjorgen and Johog, two of the most, the most notable skiers, um, you know, ever perhaps. I'm going to get some crap. I'm going to get some email about that. No, no, you will not get it. And if you get it, no, they're going to say I wasn't flat. Was that, did I (laughs) I didn't qualify that. They're the two of the best skiers ever on the planet. That's pretty good, right? That's yeah. high praise. Absolutely. Okay. So, so I'm just curious, like how much of your schedule or your program is set as you move into it in a championship level event? I can start with that since mine is just the easiest, shortest answer. You're right in Canada. We just, it was a luxury for us. So, you know, if you were in shape, you could, you could just do whatever you wanted. And, and, um, you know, we, 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 I'm sorry, we just didn't have six or sorry, we didn't have five athletes that were top 10, uh, in any given distance. So for me, it was never an issue in my career. So I'll let Kristen answer that one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in the Norwegian women's team, especially the, the last, I would say seven, nine years. It was, it was really hard to, to, to get on that four, four spot that was doing the the championship. So uh, we, we tried to have like really openness about it going in and, and for most of it, maybe two or three were uh, secure, like this distance you're doing. And then maybe one spot or two was more more open, and um, and sometimes uh, you knew what you were gonna race, and sometimes you didn't. So uh, it was always uh, it was hard competition, especially for the relay. I mean, it's uh, not a guaranteed 
it's metal, but almost. So, so of course, everyone wants to be on the relay team. Um, so it's, it was really hard competition within the team. Uh, at the same time, we, we really worked hard on and tried to support each other. And, and um, when the team was set to be like a good um, reserve or, or, or spare to, to, um, to still be a part of that team. And, and the four that was racing was always uh, being really good about that, like remembering that this is, a, this is actually a whole team behind this, uh, these medals. It's, we worked hard together through uh, a whole t- training season. So um, especially the last four or five years of my career, I, I really felt that even though I wasn't racing I, or wasn't on the podium, I was a part of uh, the medals uh, being won. Great. Yeah, I, I can imagine that being a pretty intense, tense uh, well, situation. Yeah. I, 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 just want, I just want to try and pull one small anecdote in closing because like, Kristen's underselling it a little bit. Like we're talking Kristen or teammates of Kristen, I should say, have done time trials at the championship. Okay. That's not published in the media or anything. They're doing a like man on man, right? women on women time trial, individual start time trial. Whoever wins time trial gets to start the relay or gets to start the next race three four days later so think about how cutthroat that is like that's something that an american like an american team yeah no like an actual test race yes yeah like ski prep ski selection right there's those variables too if you're going i I can't imagine how intense that would be i think yeah i don't know why you guys worked it out with like the ski testing and like that sort of thing was it just did the coaches just give you your ski like did you get like how for something that means so much, like those time trials some women on the Norwegian team had to do for a start? Oh, no, no, that was just like you you prepare you, but the, that's the to be equal. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah it's, equal. It's not, it, yeah. It, it, yeah, they're the same wax. Yeah, yeah. Of course, because yeah. it's a tech, it's your technician, yeah. it's a Norwegian tech doing it's it. It's a team, so. But but think about when, what, can you can you name one example of like, like, a, a, like a time trial in a championship? Well, the, the one I remember the most is probably the relay in Vancouver in 2010, where where Vivek um, and Marta had to do a, a time trial to do the um, first leg uh, for uh, for the relay, and that was intense. And same thing almost uh, happened in in Sochi, but um, yeah, circumstances uh, did that. Um, we didn't have to do it luckily because I was one of the ones <laughs> before the 30k so but um yeah it's it's both good and bad you know to be in such a strong team because you're not guaranteed to race but if you get to race you're you know you're able to to have a medal you know but like, just like, let that sit in for the listeners at home. Vancouver 2010 Olympic Games and Norwegian athletes are having to do a time trial to pick that start for the yeah, Olympics. Two days before. Two days before the relay, they have to do a, a two-up time trial 
to see who gets that start. Vebeka Skoftarud, the late Vebeka Skoftarud, gets the start, wins the gold medal, and it was the first women's gold medal for Norway in the 4x5 relay in how long? Like 50-plus years, like yeah, a crazy amount of, like yeah. decades and decades. So it's not just like it was his high stakes. And it, it like, I don't think, I don't think Americans or Canadians for sure have any concept of what it takes as a team to be able to hold something like that in a championship without exploding your whole team dynamic. It says a lot. It says a lot about the support, right? It says a lot about the support and belief that you have in your teammates and the respect you have that you have something like that happen during an Olympic games. And it doesn't just, yeah descend into like bitterness and chaos and destroy the team dynamic well i just pulled up those results and it's and i remember this morning i was like well i better do some research here on Kristen. not that i don't know about Kristen, but i do know that you guys took a killer trip to the himalaya to get engaged because i like the climbing thing so i i read that story over again that was cool (laughs) and i'm glad you guys didn't get seriously altitude sick but i'm looking here at these um, results from Vancouver. Do I have this right? Yeah. That's a, it's crazy to think that was 10 years ago. And Yohog, if I'm reading this right, Yohog was the uh, anchor leg. Is that right? No, Mar- no, no Marit. Marit's the anchor. Oh, Marit was the anchor. I'm reading this backwards. Yeah, Marit was the anchor and Teresa let off. So she's the scramble. Uh, no, Rebecca was the scramble. And then it was Teresa. Yeah. Oh, so it's interesting. So I'm looking at this here. How do they, do they have it by age? Maybe they have it listed. It could, if maybe you're looking at the start list or something, then it could be something. No, I'm looking, I'm looking at official results. It goes Bjorgen, Skofrud, um, Kristen, and then Johog. Well, that would be age. That is is age. Yeah, that's why, okay. That's why I'm getting confused. So what was the order then? If you can run that through again. It was Rebecca, Teresa, me, and Marit. Well, cool. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure what convinced you to come on, but feel free anytime. <laughs> we need <Yeah>. you. <laughs> We've been talking about this, but nighttime has been a bit challenging with the youngest one here. But um, since like the last two weeks, she's actually been in bed by eight-ish. A, a pseudo-reasonable <laughs> time, yeah, for a 13-month-old. So. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and she goes down, I mean... Is she is she a little finicky? Like once she's down, she gets up a little bit. Uh, yeah, she usually wakes up like once or twice before we go before we go to bed. Uh, but but not up for very long, as you can hear Kristen's voice late in this podcast. Like she'll just wake up for like five five seven minutes kind of thing. But yeah, gotcha. Um, well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. Have a good day, you folks. Bye, buddy. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow with a team sprint episode with. Alex Harvey.